0: This is Digital
1: Marketer. Welcome to the Digital Marketer podcast. Today's episode is another special guest. And today's guest probably needs no introduction because you've probably caught him on a podcast before seen one of his YouTube videos or even seen him speak at Traffic and Convergence Summit. And today's guest is Pat Flynn. He's the host of Smart Passive Income. He's the author of Superfans. And in addition to all that, he's actually recently started a YouTube channel totally as a side hustle. And so today, Mark and myself interview Pat. Well, this is actually interviewed at Traffic Conversion Live on the exhibition floor. And Pat, as always, has some really good stuff to share. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Pat Flynn. Hey DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, Go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works, you'll see a live demo, and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com.
2: Hey guys, this is Mark Grass with the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm here with Pat Flynn What's up? at TNC in a van. It's awesome. In a van. I just finished my
0: talk. It was awesome. That's and, awesome. And now I get to talk more. I love it. You do. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: let's talk about your talk. Sure. What'd you do?
0: So we talked about building super fans, right? The person in your audience, they have to go through a journey to get to become a super fan, right? People aren't fans the moment they find it. You don't listen to a song and you're like, wow, I need to go see them in concert Mm -hmm. if you've never met them before, right? You hear the song, then you get the album, then you have these experiences, you learn about them, you talk about them with other people who also like the song and the group, and then all of a sudden you realize you're buying VIP passes backstage together, right? So theres it takes time. And it's interesting because there is a journey, There, there is a framework, However, uh, we often lose sight of that because we're so focused on sometimes the funnels, mm-hmm. right? And funnels are great. Funnels are important. Traffic to subscriber to sales page to customer. But if all we're doing is all this automated stuff, then we're losing out on those moments. Mm-hmm. This, this ability, This The ability we have to make people feel like they belong, that they're being heard, that they're being paid attention to. And when you can do that, and you don't need very many people to feel like a super fan in your business. I mean, amazing things happen because they bring new people in for you. And they bring new people in who aren't cold. They're already warmed up. They've done that warming up for you. And it's a lot of fun because some amazing things happen. They're going to be your best marketing team, right? And
2: you don't even Mm need to pay them anything because you've already provided value to them in some way. That's awesome. So actually, I was just checking out your Pokemon YouTube channel. Yes. Which looks (laughs) like it's going off.
0: This is like the news of the year for everybody about me because it kind of came out of nowhere. That's funny. Um, But it does go through the same framework, right? I immersed myself in a space I didn't know anything about Pokemon cards, collecting or playing the game or nothing. And I immersed myself in the space to learn, okay, who's here? Who are the players? Where do people go? What do, what, why are they here? What are they like? What are they not like? And what's missing in this space, right? I often call this creating your market map. If you get into a new space, you can make a spreadsheet. And in the spreadsheet, you have three Ps. You have the places where people exist. So a lot of them are on um, YouTube. A lot of them are on Twitch, for example. And there's different websites they go to. There's different forums. Then the second column is the people. Who has already earned the trust with that audience, mm. right? And those are people who could potentially become partners, and they're creating content, and they're earning trust. How are they doing that? What could you do better or different? And then the last P is the products. What are they buying? What are they spending money on, and how much are those things? Mm. And when you have this lay of the land on map, it allows you to land your plane in a place that's not populated, but still is for that audience. And I did that in this space. I brought high-quality video. I brought storytelling, stuff that I know works in business very well. I brought it over to there because that was missing. And it's crushing, dude. Like in nine months, we have about eighty thousand subscribers on YouTube. It's generating seven to eight thousand dollars a month already in ad revenue and sponsorships and, and deals. Uh, and it's just mind blowing because now, I mean, the other day I was at GameStop because they were doing a pre-order of a new set that was coming out. So I was in line, right? And even with my mask on, a couple people came up to me and they're like, "Yo, Deep Pocket Monster, is that you?" And I was like, "That's me." They—they're starting to recognize me. And some of those people went back to their cars pulled out their cards and said, hey, Pat, can you side my energy card for me? Can you side this Pokemon card for me? <laughs> it's so strange because I'm just brand new in this space. But because I'm showing up, because I'm interacting with people and just not pretending to be an expert, just kind of being real, people gravitate toward that. And, and now I have fans and something completely brand new. It's it's crazy.
2: That is awesome. Actually, I, I did not know that you didn't know anything about Pokemon cards. I was like, oh, you think that must have been a hobby. Of no. His? Kind of my kids dead. got me into it. Yeah, I was just to say that. And, and then
0: they moved on. And I have. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I went a lot deeper with it, yeah.
2: That's funny. Yeah, actually, my son just taught me how to play, I think, six months ago oh, cool. or so, and I don't have any cards, and so he, like, loads his deck with all the water guys, Yeah, and yeah. then I have the rest. <laughs> just get my butt kicked every time, yeah. <laughs> so, I've... Nice. Very little Pokemon experience, but yeah, I was just checking out your videos, I'm like, man, this is awesome. It's, it's such focused content. Is, it, it,
0: it is, and it's all, I mean, a lot of it's audience-driven, like, the decisions are made By the audience. Hey, what do you guys like? What do you guys don't like? I'll do more of what you do like, right? Just, I don't have to guess anymore. That's the cool thing in in the world today with all the connections we have with people. You don't have to guess. If you're guessing in your business, you're actually not doing enough research. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't mean every time you're going to hit the nail on the head, but at least you're giving yourself a better chance. And what's really interesting is, especially in this space, the Pokemon space, um, we go live every once in a while on YouTube. Mm. And there's thousands of people show up live. Wow. And the live scene in the Pokemon world is really amazing. I mean, it's like, like I'll say like, hey guys, uh, let's see some fire in the chat. And I'll see like just a wall of fire emojis (laughs) for like the next two minutes. People can't even get their word in because it's just so much stuff. (laughs) And then, you know, we pull these really valuable cards out of these mystery packs and it's like people go crazy. And my job is to just facilitate that entertainment because that's really what it is. It's information, yes. Um, You know, so information, education, um, but it's also entertainment. Mm-hmm. Right, and and it's and I try to put some inspiration in there too. I, I and it's funny because like a lot of those people who found me now on the Pokemon stuff, have picked up my books and they uh-huh. see that oh, you actually do things other than Pokemon. And it's like yeah, that's actually <laughs> most of my stuff. And so now some of them are joining my courses, and it's wow. like even though these things were completely separate, they're actually because of me, actually starting to blend together, which is really cool.
2: Well, let's just talk about your background a little bit because I think I've heard your name since like two thousand eight. Or something. Yeah, I, that's I how actually you started. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So I had a gym in, in California. And so I was the, one of the first kettlebell gyms in oh, Orange no County. Yeah. And your name always popped up. For- well, here's why that happened.
0: <laughs> There's another Pat Flynn.
2: Oh, that's the bad. Okay. Who's the kettlebell guy, Pat yes. Flynn? Yes. Okay. So,
0: and it's funny because he wrote a book uh, after my books have come out. And people think that book is mine. Yes. It's how to get better at everything? Well, you You look fit. So yeah, and, I mean, he's way fitter than I am. But I mean, kudos to him. It's I mean, I I've got all the Pat Flynn on social, so ha. Yeah. Um, but he's the kettlebell guy. So that that's that Pat. Flynn. Uh, okay. But definitely, my name has gotten out, gotten out there, um, and people have started to know me for podcasting. Mm. Uh, people have started to know me for just being completely authentic online, right? Sharing all the wins, all the failures, the mistakes. In fact, people like those more. And when I talk about what's working, they mm. love when I can share that, oh, this campaign we did completely flopped and here's why. And we can learn from that, but we can also share that
2: publicly so other people can learn too. Well, I think that it's just that genuine like, oh, you're a person and you care and yeah. aren't perfect all the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, super cool. Well, yeah, I think that's why it tripped me out because <laughs> I, I was in fitness for, I don't know, like 2008. I actually, I, I had a fitness magazine. I sold to on it. Oh, no way. Yeah. it's dope. Yeah, so that was back in 2014, I want to say, and then built their content engine and then left and wrote a book about the process of doing that. And then I got into marketing and then your name popped up again. <laughs> and was yeah, like, it's like, wow, it's he's like, everywhere. Oh, the other bat. I'm, <laughs> like, oh, I'm, like, oh, I'm like, oh, I must have known this <laughs> dude. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so when you got started, because I know you talked about, you know, you're listening to the audience who's telling you what content to create. Yeah. But you had to start somewhere. Yeah. So did you do your research and then map it out? And then.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's what happened. I mean, I started in 2008. And I started as a result of getting laid off from the architecture space. So Mm -hmm. I was actually going to be an architect. I Mm -hmm. got laid off uh, with the Great Recession. And I'm very grateful for that or else I wouldn't have, you know, tried things that were a little bit scary to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And you kind of have to get outside your comfort zone in order to grow. And and, and I quickly learned that. But when I got started, you know, I didn't have a huge following. But I knew that if I could know who those people were, like the 10 people on my email list, if I could get to know them and talk Mm -hmm. to them and interact with them, that at least I'd learn more about them because I want to create stuff for people like them. And I've always done that. Even now with an email list of over 200,000, I'm still connecting with individuals, mainly through social media now and direct messages, but still to ask questions like, what are you struggling with right now? What are your challenges? And that's how we drive our decisions, again, from the audience. That now combined also with, especially on platforms like YouTube, where there's so much analytics that you can learn from, Mm -hmm. When I can combine, okay, what are people saying and then what's working on analytics and what like what is is YouTube telling me, what's Google telling me uh, for analytics, then, man, you can just drive it home and lean into those things that are working. Because a lot of creators especially will kind of take the spaghetti on the wall approach. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, like, at the very, very start, that's kind of what you got to do because you have a little bit more room to fail. You have more room to try without, like, you know, upsetting hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. But once you find that niche... And as I often say, the riches are in the niches. Um, You lean into it, right? And you can grow from there. That's
2: fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels is uh, Viva La Dirt League. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't heard of that. Uh, It's like an entertaining gamer nerd thing. But they actually, they had started back, I think in 2011. It took them like a decade to get to, you know, they have millions of
0: uh, viewers now. (laughs) We hear that all the time, right? If you look at uh, Mr. Beast right 50 60 million subscribers on youtube his first several years on youtube were just minecraft videos that were just not many people were seeing but then he started to experiment with these things he did these little challenges he read every word in the dictionary live like all these random things and then people started to gravitate toward that and then he leaned into it now and now you see mr beast crushing it making hundreds of millions of dollars reinvesting that money into bigger videos but um, he's got this thing down. It's pretty amazing. MKBHD, one of the top tech reviewers on YouTube, amazing guy. His first 100 videos were for his first 100 subscribers. <laughs> so you've got to get through that because you have to be a disaster before you become the master.
2: That's awesome. And if you're
0: going to, if you're afraid of fa- failing, if you're afraid of being a disaster, well, guess what? You're never going to learn.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of people, they get into it. and They're like, Oh, the first video has to be perfect. And Oh no, it didn't get a million hits. Now I'm discouraged. And yeah. I'm going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of that's because we play the comparison
0: game. Mm -hmm. And the comparison game is very dangerous, right? Like, oh, that person's doing it, and I'm doing it the same exact way, but I'm not getting the same results. Something must be wrong. Or, oh, they started before me, so I guess I can't catch up. Um, The comparison game that you need to play is the one against yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Yourself versus you last week. Yourself versus you last month. Yourself versus you last year. And are you growing? Are you actually developing your skills? Are you actually... Um, expanding your horizons? Are you building the relationships that you need? Are you actually experimenting? And even as James Clear says in Atomic Habits, like a 1% incremental increase the next time you do something over time, like compounds and exponentially grows into some incredible results. But it's that slow start, just like with investing, right? Like put $20 in your account every, every month. Yeah, it starts out slow. But when you have time on your side, hopefully, and you keep going. And the good thing about like a retirement account is you can't touch it till much later. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see that growth, but in the later years, but in the world of online business, those years get scrunched down to, you know, months and you you just got to keep going and consistent. That's awesome.
2: Well, I think for, you know, when people are getting started, they create so many videos. What would, what would you say would be, because I know it's all industry specific and topic specific, but what's a good goal for somebody like, okay, I'm going to try and I'm going to try hard for. The next, I don't know, like how long should you tell them? Like, here's the typical yeah. uh, growth path for somebody who's just getting started. Yeah, I mean, like you said, results are going to vary in
0: different niches and you don't need a million views and subscribers either to do. I know some people who have an email list of less than 100 who are making six figures because <laughs> they got a very specific solution to a very specific group of people. So again, riches are in the niches. But I would say if you're, for example, going to get into YouTube, create two videos a week for three months and then see what happens and evaluate from there. Um, and if you can't do that, one video a month for, or, or excuse me, one video a week for three uh, three to six months mm-hmm. and just try to get every video video to be better than the next. How do you know what to create videos about? A, what questions are people asking? People are often looking for solutions on YouTube. They're typing out, how do I XYZ, whatever it is, no matter how big or small, just create those as so you're going to get your reps in. Um, and it's like working a muscle, right? you got to mm. get the reps in. you got to break down that muscle. It's going to be painful. You're going to be sore, but that's how it gets built back up later with protein or in the content mm. world with knowledge about data and analytics and stuff, right? That's your protein. So you just keep going and, 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 and then you can reevaluate from there. And oftentimes what happens is one or two of those videos become bangers mm-hmm. without you even knowing that that was going to happen. And then you go, wow, I need to do a follow-up to that one or part two. Or, I'm, wow, I'm going to create a playlist of just those like reaction videos or whatever they might be. And uh, just play and have fun. Right? Yeah. And, and, and I think when you do that, your personality comes out and you become somebody who people can better connect with. right? I think when we try to do exactly the same as somebody else, well, then you're only going to be second at best. Mm-hmm. right? And so injecting your personality a little bit... Um, can, can allow you to stand out because nobody's like you. That's the one thing that you have over everybody else is you. So like show up, put yourself out there. No, it doesn't need, mean you need to have like four cameras on you the whole time. It doesn't even mean you actually have to be on camera the whole time. But I think your voice can do a lot and you can screen share. You can show videos or, or, or B-roll of things as you're talking. There's a guy in the Tesla space. I'm a big Tesla investor. Mm-hmm. I'm a Tesla fanatic. Um, Rob Maurer from Tesla Daily. He creates a daily podcast that is both audio and video. You never see his face, but he's <laughs> telling you things that are helpful if you're interested in that stuff, and he's just bringing his personality into it, and he's got hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and he's making a living doing that. He quit his full-time job to do that. That's
2: fantastic. Well, and Tesla, yeah, we, we actually were one of the, I want to say like 2017 is when we started investing in Tesla, it yeah, was just nice like, well, I was just like, Elon Musk, I loved him back then, and then it was just, he grew from there, but I am... A little disappointed I'm not getting my Cybertruck this year. <laughs> Mine's a pre order as well, but you know, like, it's going to be that much more epic. Oh, this. yeah. Well, I actually bought a truck in the meantime. I'm like, okay. I oh, did just a truck. Yeah. I'm like, I need, I want a truck. So yeah, yeah now I'm, now I'm waiting. It'll <laughs> Wait be worth that. waiting. But it, Elon's so.
0: timelines are a little bit, a off. little,
2: yeah. You know what's funny is I, I do the same thing where you make this super ambitious. Like I was, I'm, you know, rebuilding the digital market website right now. Yeah. And my goal was last That's Friday. <laughs> it's like 2,000 pages. And my goal was last Friday, and I like, I it didn't happen because I had to design everything else for the the conference. But yeah, that goal is like I still made progress towards it for sure. You know?
0: I mean, that's why Elon he overshoots. It's because yes, maybe people are disappointed, but he's also when you shoot for the stars, if you land for for the moon, it's still great. Yeah and you know spacex is a whole nother conversation but oh yeah i'm
2: (laughs) a a big spacex fan too i'm actually building a a half of a one-third scale replica of the dragon oh really
0: yeah dude they're they're launching civilians
2: soon oh yeah it's gonna be the first all civilian flight and three days in space of course if you did you learn about the civilians though no they're super impressive (laughs) like one guy is a self-taught like he he Wanted to be a pilot while he was building his company, and so he just started flying planes. He ended up on like acrobatics teams, and oh wow, geez. like he, he flying X jet fighters and stuff like that. I'm like, that guy's pretty, and he's a billionaire. <laughs>
0: I'm like, so these aren't just Joe
2: Schmo's on the show. No, <laughs> it's not like, oh hey, Sally, <laughs> yeah. go to space, <laughs> but it's still very significant. Oh yeah, you for know? sure. I, I, yeah, I love that stuff uh let's talk about how you applied because being an architect you know having to envision a building and go through the process of building up you know meeting the specs and and everything you do to be an architect do you think that kind of shapes your process for creating content
0: uh it shaped me in a lot of ways for sure um probably the biggest way it shaped me was because i was working so hard as an architect to climb that corporate ladder I was never really recognized for that. Hmm. Um, I did so much work and it was always just, okay, thanks. Here's your next thing to turn in next week or whatever. And I had my fingerprint on several buildings in the United States. Nobody Uh. will ever know. Nobody will ever know. And you know, I can't like, like how can I even prove that? Right. Yeah. Uh, And then when I got laid off and I started teaching people how to pass an architectural exam, that was my niche. Uh. um, People were sending me emails that were like life stories and, thank yous and calling me by name i was getting more praise more recognition doing that in this little tiny space with one particular exam than i was doing these big things in architecture so that shaped me because i was like wow i personally can make an impact on people let me lean into that even more and get into the user stories who are these people what do they need again similar to what i talked about earlier um and that's why that's always been the case for me when it comes to businesses let me immerse myself in that space, see what everybody's talking about and see how I can contribute. Or if I don't know the answers, I'm going to go find the answers for you. Uh, The other way it shaped me is the way that architecture works is it's a very long process, Mm -hmm. right? To go from ideation to then creation and then, you know, all the things and all the adjustments that need to happen. Like your initial drawings are never going to be what the building actually looks like. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of give and take, especially with clients, especially with engineers. So that was a process because you learn to adjust. You learn to pivot. You learn that, you know, you're going to have to let go of some things. And that was very important for me in my entrepreneurial journey. Um, you learn what it's like to work with crazy clients mm-hmm. who have demands that just, we don't even either have the budget for or the time for, and then negotiation that becomes a part of uh, business very, very prominently as well. Um, and I think the final thing is this idea of working so hard on something and it taking a long time, but when that building is finally built mm-hmm. and you see people using it and walking through it, it's like you get to look around. It's like wow, this is what we why we did all that crap. <laughs> this is amazing, and now people can live there, or people can shop there, or people can stay there. Uh, it makes it all worth it. So in the world of business, although things move faster, you still have to be patient on the macro mm-hmm. level. You know, micro hustle, as uh, Gary Vee says, and macro patience is really important. But also celebrating that end when you launch your course or when you create that book and it's out there, like really taking moments to celebrate that. Cause that is the building you built that mm-hmm. you spent all this time doing and planning and designing and adjusting and pivoting for. So learning to celebrate the wins mm-hmm. I think is important. Um, just they were much fewer and far between in architecture. Now it's on a weekly basis. We're always launching new things. We're in cycles and you know, we can see the results directly and get recognized for it too.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Well, I think for, you know, building a thick skin going through that process especially with clients or bosses back when you were an architect probably helped with some of the... I mean, I, I, you probably don't get too much hate on your oh, video. Oh, there's a lot. Is there? Even, yeah. Even with- Here's the thing. When you draw a line
0: in the sand and say, oh, things should be this way or I believe this is the case which you should do. It's like if, if you don't stand for anything like how can people stand with you, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of creators want to play it a little too safe. I'm not saying you have uh. to say certain things about you know, religion or, or, or
3: you so you know, those politics, topics, yeah. like you know,
0: there's, there's a line, but even, even in your space, like I believe everybody should have a podcast. Like, and everybody can podcast. Like mm-hmm. that's an example. And then there's people who are going to be on the other side and who don't agree with that. And that's good because when you have a line, yes, there's going to be people on the other side, but now you can bring people on your side and you can build a stronger community as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have haters. I mean, you know, I'm in the internet marketing space. So of course, Uh, The initial impression that people have, especially with a website titled Smart Passive Income, is going to be defaulting to doubt. Mm -hmm. So it's my job to show authentically how things actually work, that it's not get rich quick. And here are real user stories of people who have worked hard, not overnight, got success as a result of the guidance that we gave them. Okay, Mm -hmm. now they're more convinced. And those user stories, those success stories from our audience play a major role in how others uh, perceive our brand. Um, but no, there, there are haters and trolls. And I remember I didn't have a thick skin initially. Oh, wow. And it was in 2011. I had a person reach out and uh, leave a comment on my blog that was like 400 to 500 words. It was, wow. it was like all this disgusting stuff about how I was a con artist, how I was a fake and all this stuff. All the numbers that I was sharing wasn't real, which they were. And just call me out on it. And of course, I learned that, okay, if, if it's if they're in your house, just like don't let them in. So I blocked the IP and I was like, okay, we don't need that here. Well, I woke up the next day to 50 or 60 messages from all the different places that I was featured on, mm-hmm. blogs and podcasts, saying, hey, there's this guy here who's leaving these nasty comments about you. And like, it's just all over the internet right now. And I just fell into this deep tart place, right? Like, I started to actually believe this person mm-hmm. because it was so out there and I couldn't imagine what would get a person to say things like this unless it was somewhat true. Even though I knew it wasn't, it was starting to play games with my head. I didn't create content for like a month. Wow. And I didn't show up. People were like, are you okay? Like what's going on? Until finally a person, a good friend of mine, Derek Halpern from socialtriggers.com reached out. He's like, bro, where have you been? And I'm like, I'm just, I'm not motivated right now. Like I just don't, I can't handle any more hate and, and trolls. Um, and he's like, yo, every second you're wasting on this hater is a second you're taking away from people who actually want to hear mm-hmm. from you, who have appreciated you, who want to have you in their lives you're letting this guy win and I don't like you right now for that. And he is from New York. He tells it straight Mm -hmm. and I needed to hear that because it was true. I was wasting my time getting into this deep dark place, thinking about this person and then like one person. And it's weird. We have this weird entrepreneurial math. One negative comment is greater than and heavier than (laughs) a hundred positive comments. It just works out like that. Uh, so I, I, I came back and you know, I started to recognize that there were a lot more people who were saying great things and I leaned into them. Uh, I eventually got on a call with this person. Oh, wow. Because I said... We need to have
2: a conversation. What can you do? Like, No, it
0: wasn't even like, you know, I'm going to do anything to you. It was yeah. just like, I need to learn where this came from. And he said, and I kid you not, I just thought it would be an easy way for me to get more traffic to my website. Wow. And I well, was at like, least he was honest. Uh, uh, at yes. least he was honest, but he had problems. <laughs> yeah. I've learned this since. Uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. Shannon Irvin told me this she said hurt people hurt people Mm. if you're getting hurt because of others likely it's because of somebody who hurt them and they're trying to either keep pushing it forward or or defend themselves in some way shape or form or they just it's usually not you Mm -hmm. it's usually them and you know every once in a while i'll get a nasty comment or troll and now it's my job to go where's that coming from again because sometimes those comments that are negative can be useful Mm Mm-hmm. So I have to decipher that. And that with a huge audience can be very challenging. If a person doesn't like an experience in a course, for example, then it's my job to go, okay, is that true for everybody? Like, let's figure Mm -hmm. this out so we can make the experience better. And oftentimes those people who we actually make changes for in
2: that regard actually become super fans. Mm -hmm. Because they're
0: like, wow, you actually listened and you've made changes. Thank you.
2: Right. Yeah, that's actually just my experience with the e-commerce is the same way. Where it's it's uh, the people you kind of screw up on, like they didn't get their package or yeah. it's the wrong order or something happened. And you're like, no, we'll take care of it. Then yeah. those people are just lifetime customers
0: for sure, for sure. Because other people aren't taking care of them like mm-hmm. you are. So,
2: well, and just for you, connect. Yeah, you know, just the fact that you're so personal with those comments. I mean, the fact that you read them all is impressive because <laughs> you get a lot of I try comments. to read them all. It's, it's a lot. Now. <laughs> um, but yeah. But I mean, people see that and then they respond to it. For sure. Because I think we're past the – the because there is a systematic kind of robotic process or there can be to marketing and you could lose sight of that personal touch that actually is – now I think it's so much more important now that we're kind of over like, okay, everybody's online, everybody's saying things. Yeah, It has to be genuine.
0: Oh, of course. I mean, I talk about this in my book and I talked about it on stage. This idea of just reaching out to people to say thank you. Like for no other agenda, just to let them know that they are heard, they are seen, and you appreciate that. And it's when you start reaching out to people with an agenda that it starts to not Mm -hmm. seem genuine. Um, As my friend Jordan Harbinger, another podcaster, said, if you're digging your well and you're already thirsty, it's too late. You got to dig your well before you're thirsty, which means build these relationships now and meet into those people, see how you you can reach out to them and help them. And we have access to tools that are free that allow us to do this right now Mm -hmm. on your phone that you already have which is not free, but I mean, you know, you have pay a little bit. Just reach out to a person who recently left a comment on your last post on social, you know, direct message, and then just just thank them. You're going to get like a 95% reply rate. It's going to blow people's minds. And those, those people start to share those things, and they remember those moments. Those small little moments go very, very, very long way. And I remember certain moments when that happened to me. I, I was a big fan and still am a big fan of Darren Rouse from ProBlogger.net back when I started blogging in mm-hmm. 2008. And he did a live stream once and I remember he called out my name and said, hey, thanks for being here. And it's like, well, we say that all the time, but it like was directed at me. And I still remember how I felt <laughs> hearing from this blogger who I really enjoyed calling me out my name and live is like mind blowing. And I still remember that little small moment. Uh, it made me feel special. Uh, right? And that's, no. what, that's what we need to do at our own I've taught that strategy before and a couple people, I kid you not go, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Because I want to scale everything. Ugh. I'm going to make a video for all the Johns in our audience. I'm going to make a video for all the Marks. I'm going to make a video. And I'm like, just pick up the phone and Be reach real. out. Like, go on a walk 30 minutes. You could do 90 to 100 of these. And that's all you need to do. Like, why are we trying to automate this? Like, you don't have to automate
2: everything. Mm-hmm. No, that's fantastic. Well, I'll just think of that. Like, I actually read this book. It was called uh, Guerrilla Marketing back when I was in college. And I wrote the author afterwards. I'm like, I love this. I, like, I love how you took PR. And I, I wrote a, an email, and I wasn't expecting anything back. And he wrote me back, and then sent me a signed book. And I'm That's like, cool. and I still remember that. And yeah, no, yeah. it makes such a huge impact. I have a
0: Nolan Ryan autograph. He, oh, gave me, wow. he gave me an autograph when I was like eight. Back when you'd send like um, written messages to your favorite baseball players, and just hope. And he was like the only one to send something back, and wow. you know maybe it was his assistant or somebody on his
2: team, but still made me feel Th- great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. Let's talk about uh, just podcasting real quick because yeah. I I was not an original podcaster. I thought it was I never listened to him. so I didn't want to do it, and I didn't see the purpose. I'm a content person, so. Yeah. I didn't see any value in it. And then I had some clients ask me about it. So I'm like, yeah, I I can produce your podcast. So I I did it. And then I'm like, I better have a podcast because I'm helping people do it. And then I found it was the easiest content on the planet. Like it was so much easier than the videos and the articles and the books and all the other stuff I was doing. So what's your what's your kind of pitch? Because I am a huge advocate of podcasts now.
0: So you gave the first one, which is often... It's just so easy to create. You just have to talk and have conversations. Now there's a lot of layers to that, mm-hmm. obviously. You've got to ask the right questions or have good topics and get better at public speaking and, and, and that again, you've got to start out a disaster to, to get through it, like with anything. But it doesn't matter what you look like. I know a lot of us think it that it does. Um and, and with video you don't have to worry about the quality of that. It's just the audio, right? Mm-hmm. The next pitch is imagine how long usually a person's watching a video for. Like if you're just scrolling through YouTube and you're looking for stuff, I mean, you might watch five minutes and then Mm. leave or click off to another video as a YouTuber as well. I know that when we have videos that are watched for more than five minutes, that's actually really good. That's, that's amazing. Five minutes or more of a person's attention on YouTube is incredible. Mm -hmm. A person reading a blog post might be the same amount of time and they're skipping around and on social media, obviously it's just, they're swiping through everything and reading really quickly. A person will sit and listen to your podcast for 30 minutes for 45 (laughs) minutes to an hour. If you're listening to Joe Rogan or Hardcore History, you're listening for hours. Your voice, your message, your expertise, your authenticity in front of people for that long, it's the only platform that would allow you to do that. And when you show up in that regard, in places that no other kind of content can, meaning while on a drive Mm -hmm. or while lifting weights at the gym or while on a plane because that content can get downloaded to their device and then listen to, you know, asynchronously later. Um, Man, it's just so amazing for your business. Uh, You can create some incredible superfans, And that's what happened. Mm -hmm. I was a blogger first. I was blogging three times a week. This was back in 2010. And my podcast was only coming out every other week. Mm. That's all I was comfortable doing. And I remember going to an event like this one and meeting people who knew who I was. And every single person it's like, yo, I love that story you told in the podcast. Oh, the podcast last week was great. Oh, can you tell me more about podcasting? Podcast this, podcast that. I was like, yo, what about my blog? I'm spending way more time on that. Like, <laughs> and they're separate. like, oh, yeah, that f- f- top five Facebook. Yeah, whatever. But that story you told about your son or whatever, people resonated with that, right? And, and we all know how... Powerful storytelling is Mm -hmm. story from the voice, just like it was back in in like caveman days or whatever. It's just we as human beings are just, we're fine tuned to listen and pay attention and to feel when you can bring emotion, when you can bring the hero's journey into that story. Mm -hmm. It's, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than podcasting. Um, And people are making connections right now and uh, you don't have a podcast. You're missing out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's kind of expected at this point especially if you're any kind of personality that that's out there a coach yeah. or uh consultant that kind of thing but uh yeah for the ease it's incredible and now actually with us we we call them pillar pieces when we do an article but it's just really uh to launch other pieces of content so it's graphics and videos maybe or a podcast yeah. if it's a popular topic but yeah i came from having a magazine <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. So. I mean, that's very
0: different and very,
2: you know, not as personal sometimes. No, um,
0: Here's the other thing. It's like, I have, so I teach a lot of podcasting. I have a course and uh, the top YouTube videos on podcasting. Yeah. Um, I have, a, when I ask people like, well, okay, why are you starting your podcast? You know, many people say, I want to build an audience. You can, you can build an audience from scratch with mm-hmm. Um A lot of people want to increase their business and that's very important. But I have a certain segment of people who say I don't even care if I get listeners. I just want an excuse to talk to my friends and and and, and my uh, people in the space that I'm in. Others, other people who normally wouldn't give you access, mm-hmm. right? Like I, if I went to Tim Ferriss and said, "Hey Tim, I'm Pat. Can I talk to you for thirty minutes?" No, no, <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> That'll be ten thousand dollars, <laughs> <laughs> or that, or what happened
0: was I said, "Hey Tim, I see you have a book coming out. I have a podcast." I would love to share your book and your philosophies on my show. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because there's a value exchange there now. Mm-hmm. It's how I got access to Gary Vaynerchuk and all these amazing people who are now friends. I actually helped Tim create his podcast. You can actually find an old YouTube video of me on his channel teaching his audience how to use GarageBand. Oh my gosh! That's and, and, awesome. We and were a text away now, um, <laughs> and that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the show. So a lot of people start a podcast because they just want. A reason to have people connect with them, mm-hmm. and those thirty to forty-five minute conversations—you can't help but like you and I right now. We're now getting to know each other more than just kind of passing each other yeah, in the hallway. Yeah, shaking hands. Yeah, uh, and that's amazing.
2: No, that's for me. You know, I'm actually. Pretty introverted and kind of worked against that for my whole adult life. I yeah. would say <laughs> uh, so with podcasting, it is. It's just like it's an easy intro. You just start talking, and then you get better at it. Yeah, and and you have to start somewhere. For so sure. I think there's skill involved, and you
0: can if you become
2: a better storyteller. I've I've leaned into
0: that. I've got I've taken courses and mm-hmm. read books on storytelling um, because that will draw people in. That becomes a hook. That becomes the lesson. That becomes what gets shared. Right? People don't share the tip. They share the story behind those tips. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, a podcast is a perfect platform for that.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. That's uh, fantastic. Uh, if somebody wants to learn more about podcasting or Pokemon or <laughs> <laughs> YouTubing, uh, where should they go?
0: Yeah. So I'm at Pat Flynn, uh, mostly everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, smartpassiveincome.com if you want to get the training and all those kinds of things. And of course, we have hundreds of videos on YouTube about how to do certain things if you want to just get started quickly. Uh, And the Pokemon stuff is at Deep Pocket Monster uh, on YouTube. And yeah, I'm here to help and would love to chat with you at Pat
2: Flynn on Instagram, Twitter, uh, all the places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much
3: for coming on. Thank you. It's been great. Hey, Ryan Dice here. and optimization for you too. So, if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com.
1: All right, digital marketer listeners, we are are back with Pat Flynn for another session of the lighting round and Pat, I don't think Mark briefed you, but it's the second we started doing where we try and get into your mind a little bit, and we're going to ask you a series of questions, and we'll try and answer in 60 seconds or less.
0: I will try to keep those answers short for you.
1: All right. First one is, this is always a fan favorite, what is a book that every marketer should read?
0: A book that every marketer should read is The Coaching Habit by Michael bungay Sr. Uh and that book will give you a framework for actually how to ask the right questions To help your clients. And even if you don't have a coaching process or a coaching program per se, still in conversations that you have with your prospects, your leads, these questions and this framework will help you get into their heads more to understand not just the language that they use, but like, really, what could you create for them that could solve their problems, content, products, etc. I love it. Pat, what's the best piece of marketing advice you've ever received? Uh, The best piece of marketing advice I've ever received was you got to fail faster. And this was especially important to me as a perfectionist. I grew up in a household where I had to have straight A's or, or, or the house was going to come down, right? Um, so when I grew into adulthood, it, that I was conditioned to feel that way. But every time I felt that I had to be perfect, I realized that, well, I'm not publishing anything and nothing's getting out there. I can actually learn more by putting something out as more of a beta or early version of Knowing that, okay, it's going to break and I'll know exactly where so I can fix it and make it perfect later or try to get to that point later.
1: Pat, what social media platform do you find yourself uh, enjoying the most?
0: The social media platform I'm enjoying the most is, is Instagram. And I'm enjoying it the most not, be- not because you know Reels is fun uh, and because that's where a lot of I uh, connect with my friends and family as well. Um, but because of how easy it is to directly connect with somebody through a DM. So what I'll often do is reach out to a person who's recently left a comment and just reach out to them to thank them. No other agenda than just to say thanks. And every single time I get a reply and their minds are blown. And that's how you create super fans. Those little small special moments that are often more meaningful than you think.
1: I love it. Last question here, Pat. What brand, uh, influencer, or celebrity do you think is doing the best with their uh, digital marketing right now? I really love what Will Smith
0: is doing you know he kind of came into the scene out of nowhere and found a really good videographer to help him and then he just kind of has been going all in on youtube and on instagram as well as on tiktok and all those other platforms too but i think that he knows exactly why people follow him and the content that he creates often is because of nostalgia for his audience he just launched a shoe line and the i don't know if you saw this but the design of the shoe is the same design that he wore in the class at bel-air yeah, when French he flipped fence. this thing right. inside, inside out yeah and dude like the internet goes
1: crazy over that stuff
0: he he just knows
1: he he knows what's up and he's not afraid to be himself yeah he's masterful pat this has been a fantastic interview we thank you so much for your time here at tnc and in the scooby-doo booth and uh, everything you do create super fans thank you so much guys we will be here same time same day next week will see ya